Hello and welcome. This is Terry Wada, one of your co-hosts with Being Minority in America. Today, Rochelle and I will be diving into discussing a fantastic book called The Color of Law. We hope that you enjoy our discussion of the topics in here and that some of our stories that we share will resonate with you and that you might find some similarities and connections that bring us all together. Thank you so much for listening in and sharing your time with us. Good morning, everyone out there. Thank you for listening to us uh, with Being Minority in America. This is our first episode of 2021. Welcome, 2021. Woohoo, you finally come. So what we wanted to do in starting off a brand new year was to start off with some great foundations. And last month, uh, Rochelle and I, right, Rochelle had brought up a book that she was reading. We were having, having a really good discussion about it, and it was called The Color of Law. So what we wanted to do this month and with our very first episode of 2021 was to jump into The Color of Law. What does it talk about? What does this book lay out? Because it lays out some really great foundations around segregation in America and how that's still impacting us today. So... I'd like to turn this over to Rochelle as we talk a little bit more about this book. Maybe you can share with us how you came across this book and some of the, the key points that you that you um, read within it. All righty. Well, thank you, Terry, and happy new year, 2021. Uh, I know this is so, so exciting. Um, actually, this book was presented to me um, by a, a friend, a new friend of mine. And um, she was actually a professor. Well, she is a professor. And um, she was, of course, reading this with some other people and brought it to my attention and a couple other women. And I just immediately just wanted to jump in and start, you know, reading. I've read um, several um, similar books and takes on segregation in America. And not only reading it, I've experienced it from, you know, family stories and just my own walk of being a minority woman in America. So that's how that came about. And uh, it truly had um, really opened my eyes even more, just, you know, finding out more about, um, you know, the foundation of it. Mm -hmm. I've heard through just family stories about the involvement in the government, but, you know, we got footnotes now of just things being cited as such. So mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, and I'm sure I'll be sharing more about it as we, we move along, Terry. Yeah. I, and I just wanted to thank you because I, I'd never heard of this book, but you're right. Like the amount of documentation. So this book is called the color of law. And the, the subtitle is A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America. And this is by Richard Rothstein. Amazing, amazing book, well-documented and just going through, you know, all the different laws, policies, actions, um, everything that's been brought up over the decades, you know, almost, I guess, century around how the law has been, um, has been a part of segregating America over all you know over the past century and that it's not a, I think how it's always for me how how it seemed to be presented in history class right that 
exactly. You know, they weren't compliant. They weren't part of the problem. They they were just doing what they felt was right. And the laws were created to be what was right. And they didn't know what was happening. That that was kind of how, how it was, was set up for me in history class, that segregation was just kind of the byproduct of, of private actions, not of public policy. Exactly. What I love in his book is that he lays that out in the very beginning, that he uses the term that it, the law is de jure, right? That it was compliant and complicit in segregating America, that the policies that were being carried out, the the laws that were being created and written, and the way that funds were being distributed, that it was actually in the effort to continue keeping America se- segregated, exactly. which was, you know, just completely eye-opening when you look, you know, just the amount of, of evidence that's there. It, it's, it's, appalling i I mean i don't don't even have a better word for that yeah there was there was a lot of effort (laughs) yes uh, to to carry this on and a lot of reinforcement i mean from policies all the way down to to hate crimes and everything else Mm -hmm. in between so i mean this was something that you know was intentional you know it wasn't just something that you know was a fly-by-night thought this was mm-hmm. definitely inbred, baked in. This is how America should be. So yeah, right. yeah. And I don't, I don't know what general sentiment sentiment out outside of my own perspective is because I, you know, this is my kind of new, my new journey, my new walk in life right now is exploring uh, myself as a minority in America and what that looks like and how that's been played out. And one of the what one of the best. Um, advice I got from someone was to study our study our history that's what she told me study your history not just um, the history that you've been taught in school but look into the experiences of people who look like me who don't look like me and what those histories uh, looks like look like what do the stories look like there because the story looks different from everyone's perspective <clears throat> and so I think um, what was really interesting with this book is that it takes that different perspective and, you know, for me, I always thought that, you know, with kind of our general sentiment was that this is stuff that happened so long ago, right? It's so long ago. Yeah. It doesn't impact us today. Like, what's the point of bringing up the past? You know, I don't know if mm-hmm. that's people's perspective is that, yes, you know, of course, America was segregated, but it, you know, we've gone through that. We've come out the other side. You know, I don't know if that's what the sentiment is, but um I think what, what's really fantastic in this book, what he lays out is that we're not, we're not exactly. there yet. No, you know, we still have lots of work to do. And it was amazing to see that, you know, he goes all the way back to the 1800s, but then it comes all the way up into the two thousands. You yes. know, there's policies that were still not rectified come, you know, 2010. And exactly. there's probably areas that's still happening today. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, um, I always say there's nothing new under the sun. Um, It just sometimes get framed and packaged, put a bow on it. But at the end of the day, it's still the same stinking um, systemic Mm -hmm. segregation and separatism. Um, And like I said, this book really just, you know, um, just really pricked my heart but it gave a lot of, um, it gave some credence to 
what I was told as a little girl, what mm-hmm. I what I what I've seen as an adult and still seen with different um, zoning. It seems like to me uh, they <laughs> keep moving the goalpost, mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, this has been just something to really just kind of delve into. Um, you know, I remember because I grew up in the northern part of Indiana and it was primarily a steel town, with lots of refineries, but we had some really nice areas too. And I remember being, um, being young and I would just see, you know, it's amazing looking back just how much you witnessed as a kid, but you didn't have voice to it necessarily. It was just Mm -hmm. in quote, that's just the way it was. But I, in many neighborhoods, you know, there were refineries, many neighborhoods, there were lots of, you know, businesses that supported the refinery. And then you go into other areas and you saw you know, lots of green grass. And that's one thing I do remember a lot of um, growing up, seeing a lot of cement and concrete, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't happen like that. It was there for a reason. And even in areas, as I've traveled a lot in America, working in corporate America, you know, and I've seen there's there's a consistent thread in what we call inner city neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. common thread of what we call in you know the ghettos mm-hmm. it didn't pop up and you when you think about it uh it seems like now we're starting to explore and uncover some things because i think people that that you know never had to experience this will look at it with um i would think rose colored glasses saying well, why is it like that? And why those people do something about it? You know, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions that I think this book and so many books to come and books that we haven't read will really, you know, give some clear vision and foundational concepts and policies that have been set in place that we're still there today. Generationally, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't. It's just, it's just interesting. So, yeah, and I, I like that. You know, you're starting to talk about how how you've seen. You know, you've experienced these things, mm-hmm. and and you've seen this throughout your life. And you know, if we, I, I think it would be great if we could just hit on some of those key points that he talks about because that does like he lays out that foundation around how you know how policies, public policies, how government funding has gone to the intentional separation of different you know peoples of different backgrounds and cultures and and specifically you know really pointed towards black people exactly. right that that they didn't want the black people mixing with yeah. the white people and that these these policies were not just um it's not that the government was not playing a role at all, that they didn't have a hand, but they were actually being reinforced and carried out and, and um, allocated exactly by, by, you know, government officials. Exactly. And so some of the things I think like that, what I heard you had kind of mentioned was the whole idea of the zoning, right? Where mm-hmm. I guess we can go all the way back to, well, first of 
course, that when 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 we did have segregation, they were clearly creating different uh, neighborhoods that were whites only, right, and um, blacks only, or or non-whites only, and and it was you know you could see that happening when it was okay, mm-hmm. but then when it became a, a matter of that's not okay, we need to look at integration, and and there's you know there's cases that go through the Supreme Court that says segregation is not okay, right. even after that. You know, you see, you see um, different kinds of tactics, tactics that were both carried out in the private sector, but then reinforced by the public sector, yeah. right? Yeah. Saying that, well, we're not going to give funding or we're not going to throw government monies at any kind of any kind of suburb or residential area that's going to support integrated uh, an integrated neighborhood, right? Exactly. If a black person moves or a black family moves into that neighborhood then we're not going to be giving you that money. Exactly. We're going to pull that funding and then, you know, you are all on your own. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that he talks about. It's just, it's, it, it's just horrific, exactly. you know? And then when, when things, you know, when that's not the, and that's not the only tactic, right? right. The other tactics are, are, well, okay, well, we're going to separate, we're going to create housing. We're going to create public housing for people who need housing because we don't have enough housing in America, right? Exactly. So we're going to create housing for these people. But, you know, so of course we're trying to do good. We're the government. We're trying to support our, our, our citizens. But then, you know what we're going to do? We're going to say that this area now that we've, we've moved all these families in, we're going to rezone it and say you can build your factories, right? You can build your yeah. concrete, your concrete factories and mills there. You can build your highways that run right alongside it. In fact, we're going to build that highway just to separate, to create like literally a wall, exactly. a wall between one neighborhood and another. Exactly. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not just local, right? It wasn't these, these small pockets of where this was happening only in Chicago, or this was happening only in New York. I mean, it was happening across the country. Exactly. And so there's no way to say that, oh, these are all just private entities that are carrying this out. No, I mean, that's, that's not possible. Exactly. You know, I think, and he even brings it to the the real estate industry, right? How realtors were either, a, you know, praised or punished based off of who they were selling to, exactly, and and what neighbors neighborhoods. It was crazy, just just to to know that it went that to that level, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and the sad thing is, as I said before, it hasn't stopped. It, like I said, they. You know, in some instances, they just put it in a different package and put a bow on it. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's still the same, you know. And I have heard many stories from people that look like me that, you know, have climbed the corporate ladder, have, you know, got their education, their PhD. And when they go to uh, buy a home in a particular area, you know, you know, they talk about the struggles when you have a, when they've had their counterpart, you know, same education, same whatever, but happens to be non-Black, how they've had such a wonderful, beautiful experience. So, you know, I just want our audience to to, to know that this hasn't, this hasn't stopped. I think mm-hmm. in our minds sometimes when we don't have to be affected by it, um, impacted 
with it directly that somehow we think that it doesn't exist or it's gone away or it's been diluted. Um, mm -hmm. It hasn't. It hasn't. And what we're also seeing are, is the domino effect of, of these decisions that were made decades ago or centuries ago. Um, we're still dealing with it today. You know, the resistance, mm -hmm. the violence, you know, it's systemic, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot and it's a lot to kind of unpack and, um, you know, figure out how we're going to fix this thing. But um, yeah, I can go on for days, Terry. <laughs> I definitely want to, you know, give you more time to kind of share your thoughts about, you know, uh, what's, what speaks to you, um, you know, with reading, you know, the book Color of Law. So yeah, it, I mean, it was eye opening. And that's why, you know, I just wanted to thank you for bringing it, bringing it you know, to my attention, because I've never, I had no idea yeah. the the level, like how big the system really is. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about systemic racism, you don't, you think you understand it, but there's, it's so complex. And it's so, like you said, embedded, right, ingrained or, mm -hmm. or inbred in us that throughout our whole education went from, you know, I grew up in Hawaii. And so I, you had asked me a good question, like, how did I experience this? And I had mentioned to you, it, it, Hawaii is a little too diverse for policies like this to be carried out. So even if there were policies that were made, our, our leaders in Hawaii, when I was growing up, mm -hmm. it, it was just too diverse of, a diverse of a place for anything to be carried out in that way. And, and, and that, that's not to say that we don't have our own uh, disparities in Hawaii, because there are, right. there definitely are. There are populations like the Micronesians that come in that are experiencing um, disparity in, in the their inequity, in right? Absolutely. <clears throat> and, um, and so, but, but what happens is it becomes so diverse that we, you can't, you can't literally separate people. You can't separate cultures because it becomes too blended. Right. And I think what becomes really interesting and kind of what we had talked about was that, that that's the great thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's the great thing about diversity is that it, if we can, start to bring um bring america bring the u.s as a whole mm -hmm. a, into a more melting pot kind mm -hmm. of place right a melting pot population where we see diversity as being enriching and we see it as being so valued exactly. that we don't want to try to separate anymore right, right? that that we see these I, I think this is where we we haven't seen us get to yet is that we're seeing you know, we, we need to start seeing diverse neighborhoods, not as inner cities, right. not as ghettos, not as, um, you know, because really right now, even if you look at the makeup of Indianapolis, where we are, a lot of our diverse neighborhoods are not the the lucrative neighborhoods. They're not the, the neighborhoods that people are wanting to get into, right? Exactly. It's still the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's, it's and, and it goes back to a lot of what... Um, the color of law talks about, right? How all of that, all of these, you know, centuries, decades, years of, of systemic separation through policies, through funding, and, and all of that shapes our perspective, exactly. right? Our individual perspectives. Exactly. It shapes how we carry out our lives, how we make decisions. And, you know, 
it, he talks a little bit about like white flight, mm-hmm. what that was all about. And, and I, you know, when I read that, I, 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 I couldn't bring it to myself to believe that they were like everyone who's moving out of these neighborhoods were just plain old racist. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, like I couldn't see it from that perspective, but what made so much sense was the fear tactic. Yes. Right. Your housing, your home value is going to drop if a black family moves into this neighborhood. Exactly. And, and so it's that fear tag. Well, I'm going to lose the value of my home. I need to move mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not I believe that, you know, that that's, um, you know, that that is the result of a black family. Exactly. Right. But it's, it's all of these small things that get put together that starts to shape our perspective exactly. when we see diversity as something to be feared versus something to be embraced. Exactly. You've, you've, um, you've definitely hit the nail on the head with that. And I think those are some of the seeds that have constantly gotten watered and, and fertilized over the decades, you know, saying mm-hmm. that, you know, um, if this person you know, this family moves in next door to you, that the value of your home is going to go down. I mean, we've heard that here in the last, you know, several years about the suburbs and, you know, uh, a certain kind of, you know, uh, you know, sect of people, they move in, they're going to take over, you know, and it's really hitting people when you start, you know, you can, you can plant fear into people when you start touching on their income, you start talking about their livelihood, you're talking about their shelter. I mean, it's like, you know, people are up in arms about that, you know, because mm-hmm. no one will say, you know, I'm, t- I'm saying this because I'm, I'm a racist person and I want to keep mm-hmm. America, you know, um, segregated, you know, that's not acceptable. Well, I, I still hear, hear people say that. Uh, right. But if you start saying, you know, what you've worked for is going to be diminished because, you know, you have, um, you know, this brown person or this Hispanic person, you know, moving in next to you. So again, but all of this, all of this has been shaped. Uh, this has been molded um, from, you know, centuries past. This is, this is nothing, mm-hmm. this is nothing new um, because I think, and this is just my window is that um, it still goes back to the power, you know, and maintaining power. And so it's this struggle, this push and pull back and forth because America America is, is getting more diverse. And I think you said it before and you, you put it together eloquently, Terry, that when the more segregated, I mean, excuse me, the more diverse we are, Uh, a lot of these things can't take place. So that's why so much push against, you know, diversity. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening in my own opinion, my lived experiences, let me just say that, is that, um, you know, as long as we can keep power away from, you know, uh, diversity, then everything Mm -hmm. can say that's status quo. You know, and I think that's the fear uh, because the the perspective is if it's more diverse, then it's going to go to heck in a a handbasket versus seeing Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. as elevation, as seeing it the way 
we were created to be, um, to come alongside, to help, support, nurture, you know, but, um, you know, but there's a fear component of what that'll be like, because I, <laughs> I think, um, and I think it was okay as long as people would stay in their places. And I think, you know, <laughs> More people have gotten out of their lane. They start looking over in the other lane and say, hey, I want more of that. I want some education for my kids, too. Um, mm -hmm. I want clean water in our neighborhoods. I want my kids to have textbooks that didn't have duct tape on. That's where the problem is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's where the problem starts uh, getting a little uncomfortable. Um you had made mention of uh, something about, you know, the highways and byways and things. And I remember probably about a couple of, yeah, about 20 years ago, I was a mere child, no, excuse me. Um, and I was talking to um, an engineer and he was an mm -hmm. um, uh, engineer and he was a part of a huge project in a different city. And he was talking about and he was an older gentleman about when they were designing a particular highway in in the city that he grew up in. And, you know, no one really said that it was, you know, designed so people wouldn't see the plight um, because a lot of times people would see the plight of, in quote, the inner cities and people start feeling uncomfortable. So, mm -hmm. and I was just, I was just like amazed. And he said, so that was one of the pushing goals to have a, you know, uh, a highway, you know, faster roads that kind of, um, you know, uh, where people didn't have to go to work or church or the grocery and had to see those people. And it, I was mm -hmm. just blown away. So again, it goes back to the systemic policies reinforcement this is just not you know uh this not just like fluff this is intentional so i oh, just yeah. wanted to share that you know separate from the book but it's just so many nuggets like that you know it gives mm -hmm. credence to you know how serious and how intentional it is to keep people you yeah. know second well and right and, and you know that lays out why we are where we are today. Exactly. And I think that that's what becomes really powerful in that. Cause I mean, that's why we study history, right? That's why we do it in the first place so that we can learn how, where, where we came from mm. and how we got to where we are today so that hopefully we don't do the same thing because unless our, our history and past stories are exactly as they should right. be and we have nothing more to learn, then, you know, we don't need to change. Well, but that's not, that's the, not case, the case. Right? Well, you know what? I love the part when you said study our history. I love that. But I also have a smirk on my face because the history that I learned in school was not the history that I know to be all true. Mm -hmm. So, but I am grateful for writers and people that are, willing to put themselves out there to tell the real story, you know, not to be an al uh, alternative reality or, you know, just the bare naked truth. 
you know, because mm-hmm. like I said, I sat in school, even, you know, as a little kid, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you know, right. but this is what I was, I was told. So, you know, it mm-hmm. is part of our responsibility as adults to, to start reading, to start listening to these stories and get some facts and also share and encourage our, you know, our children to know the history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The yeah, real history. Absolutely. I mean, right. And that, that, that is, it's, it's our history, yeah. not one yeah. culture or background yeah. perspective of that yeah. history, right? Because we all have our own story. Yeah. We all have our own different perspectives. And I know for a fact, you know, one of the things that we never really learned about in in our in our US history classes was a lot of the perspectives from populations that didn't fund the history books uh-huh. you know so like there are so many people i know who never heard of internment camps for all of the japanese yeah. people you know they didn't know that even existed I'm like yeah but we didn't study it because that's not something we want to put exactly. out there right exactly but how do how do we move forward if we don't know where we've come well, from? So I think that's why I loved this book and it's heartbreaking and difficult. It was to mm-hmm. read just from, you know, from a, a human, human standpoint, right? Exactly. From a humanity standpoint, it was so difficult to read, but so important and valuable because of what it presents and, and lays out, you know, what has been established and why does our, like, why do our cities and our states look the way they do right now? Because it's, it's all laid out and it wasn't, it wasn't happenstance. It wasn't organic, right? It was completely intentional. And that's why we have the cities looking the way they do. So what do we do with that? What do we, what do we do now moving forward? Right. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good question. Um, Well, I like you pointed out the fact that, you know, we're where we're at because of, you know, how things have been laid out and been justified. Yeah, I think about some of the monuments and some of the statues in in cities across America for those Mm -hmm. landmark, (laughs) you know, you can even look at those. If you say, oh, the government has nothing to do with, you know, segregation and those people like to be with themselves. But then you got some reminders with those statues too. But you know, good point. So we're doing all this, and it's definitely we 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 don't want to do this for not. So you know, where do we go from here? I think that's what we want to say. And you know, some of the things I think about number one is that we have to talk about it. And Terry, I'm glad you said it's uncomfortable. It's not pretty. You know, it doesn't smell good. You know, does it feel good? <laughs> but it is what it is. And I'm not a counselor, but I have tons of friends that are counselors and psychologists. And I just know one thing about it. You have to talk about it. You can't move forward if you don't talk about it. We can't just have blinders on and say, well, that didn't exist. And those people should just get it together. You know, we need to talk about it. So communication. And I think that was the, the thing with the segregation. If we keep people separated then they can't talk about it and then because you know when people when humans get together and start communicating they make some some good decisions that have lots of uh, 
value and to bring lots of things to the table and agreements and stuff. And so, you know, so we know um, the positive impact of communication. So I would say that's my my number one thing is communication. Mm-hmm. What would you like to add to the soup, Terry? <laughs> to the stew? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it. I mean, first, you're right, right? We need to we need to, we need to understand it. We need to talk about it. We need to, cause that lays it out for us to be able to just say, Hey, acknowledge right. it, right? This is happening. This has happened. This is where we're at. This is still exactly happening, right. I think, I think that's super powerful. I think number one, yes, absolutely. We need to talk mm-hmm. about it. And um, what I would, what I would add to that is, is we need to use our, our power, our individual powers to vote, right? Not just like it polls, but every day when you spend your money, that is your power, that is your currency. And that is how you can, you know, essentially put your votes where you want it to go. Where do I think that, you know, where do I want to see myself? Where do I want to see my family? Where do I want to see our neighborhood? Where do I want to see our city? Right. I'm going to I'm going to invest my monies in in those areas and say, you know, when when and this is I had told you this is what's happening in my own neighborhood. When I see more people moving into homes that don't look like me, um, granted, there's a lot of people (laughs) that don't look like me, but, you know, that don't look like the general population. I'm not going to take pull my money from my neighborhood and go buy a house someplace else. I'm going to pour more money into my neighborhood and say this is fantastic i want to see more people i want to see more Burmese population i want to see more black families in this neighborhood i want to see more i have we i told you we have a someone from um guatemala i want to see more guatemalans i want to see more chinese people you know more i'd love to see more japanese people but i know there's just not a lot of us in in right (laughs) but that's you know instead of pulling my money and moving out of my neighborhood which a lot of our neighbors have done in the past two years, I'm going to keep my money here and say, this is where I want to be. I mean, that excites me to be able to see that, you know, see that diversity, see this, this integration happening. But what's disheartening is to see families pulling their money, pulling their investment, moving away because it's becoming more diverse or what I've heard. I don't know if you've heard this a lot, but because there's a, what is it? They call it an element. There's these new elements. And I'm just like, are you talking about people yeah. as elements? What does that yeah. mean? There's a new element or there's there's a different element. Like I it, I hate that word when they talk about it in terms of neighborhoods because it's again going back to uh, objectifying human beings, exactly. right? We're not elements. Right. Like a, a black family moving into a neighborhood, black families moving into a neighborhood is not yeah. elements. Those are people right. moving into those neighborhoods, yeah. right? Burmese populations, Burmese families, those are not elements. Those are people. Exactly. And, and I, I've, I've heard that word so much, which, which is interesting because I've never heard that word used in terms of, of a person right. um, until I moved here. Exactly. Well, you know what? It's almost like, you know, you have your word elements that you don't like. I don't like the word alien in in you know reference to to people aliens right you know and i think again it goes back to what i said before is that when you start um lowering or you start taking the 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 human factor out of things then you know people sometimes 
it gives them um, pause to to separate or or be mean to you know if you take mm-hmm. the human part of, out of it when you start saying element that's more of an object you know so you can definitely you know push yourself away from that you know you you put your wall up mm-hmm. um versus when you talk about you know uh, a hispanic family or asian family you know you still have that human mm-hmm. connectedness. but if you start saying you start labeling uh, that person as an alien, an element, you know, it, it and it really, you know, um, stirs up something. It really, you know, saddens me. It goes back to, you know, for my, you know, my ancestry was listed on a spreadsheet right next to a coffee table as far as, you know, property owned. So, of course, when you can, yeah. you know, you can uh, reduce uh, a person down to, you know, an object, then of course it's easier to mistreat, you know, or kick or scratch or, you know, throw into Mm -hmm. a fire, you know, uh, an object versus a human. So it really plays in the whole psychology thing that again, so we'll have more time to talk about that (laughs) on on another another, uh, podcast. But again, all this stuff, you know, has a reason. And it just plays into that whole part of getting back to that whole, you know, segregating, you know, keeping people separate, you know, not not saying that this has anything to do with, but even like with marriage, you know, one of the number one thing is not so much financial, it's really communication. If you can keep Mm -hmm. that communication from happening, then everything else can fall apart. So, Mm -hmm. As much as the push is to keep people segregated, because they know there's power in unity, they know it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, such I've got goosebumps. What a powerful conversation, and you know, I think this is where I like to always. I like when we always able to wrap up with something that's applicable, right? So, really thinking about how we're talking about our history, exactly. our collective history, and how we've gotten to where we've come okay. from. Talking about how we see, you know, systemic racism playing out today in a way that's in like in a way that we can include right. people so that we can help people understand. And I, I know that was why we even started this podcast in the first place is because we wanted to have these conversations that are not polarizing, but that are more inclusive so that we can work exactly. together because right as you lift as you rise. It should not be the other exactly. way around. It should not be I, I rise as I push everyone else down. We've got to lift and rise at the same time. Yeah. And I love that. So I love, yeah. And I, so I love these, these points that we can take away, which is that communication piece, like you said, right? Thinking about how you, how and where you're investing in the choices you, like we individually make and how that has power. And that is exactly. our power. And then, and, and, and I like the, the kind of last piece that came out was language, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of tied to communication, not just talking about it, but what's the, you know, what is the language? What is the vocabulary we're actually using when we're talking about people and recognizing that we're talking about, we're talking people, about people, you know? Yeah. We're not talking about aliens. We're not talking about an element. We're not talking about a chair. We're talking about people and wow, families. That's powerful. And, and always, yeah, just I always identifying. Yeah, that, right? if we keep that on the forefront, I think we can, you know, I, I have really big hope for, 
you know, my daughter's generation. I don't have any grandkids, but, you know, niece, younger nieces and nephews and things like that. You know, I I, I would like to add a subcategory. Um, just one other thing, possibly, is that, too, we need to bring into the fold people that have power of the pen. Again, people that have, you know, the power to make change, the power, the financial, you know, like you said, you know, pouring monies into your community pouring money. So that's another thing we need, you know, to get connected, uh, you know, with, with influencers and we ourselves, every time you, you look in the mirror, are you looking for an influencer, you know, look in the mirror. So I think that's really, <laughs> really important too, because at the end of the day, money does talk, you know, and, and we need the resources. So yeah, I'd like to add that little subcategory, Miss Terry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, this has been fantastic. We've had I I think this was a fantastic yes. conversation. I hope I hope everyone listening out there that you've gained some value. Hopefully you go out and pick up the color of law. If you can't buy it, it's at the libraries. Just go out and borrow it. Fantastic book. It is it should absolutely be a history book. It should be a history textbook that is studied in all classrooms across America, as well as a few others. Maybe we can do some digging and find some other rich history exactly. books that would be exactly. great to, to um, supplement our, our general studies. Exactly. Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up so we can sign off. Hopefully you all enjoyed this episode. I know I truly enjoyed this episode and this conversation with you, Rochelle. Thank you so much for your yes. time. And so we will be back next month, first Tuesday of every month. And we hope that you'll join us. All right. That sounds wonderful. Terry, you're awesome. I love your perspective. You keep us on track too. So anyway, looking forward to <laughs> next month also. <laughs>